Do you know the difference between an estate planning lawyer and an elder care lawyer? Do you even know why you would need either one? An elder care lawyer can really help your parents plan for the future, especially as it pertains to health care costs as you age during retirement. We'll discuss this topic on day 11 of the 30-day preparation plan to care for an aging parent. Hello, Rents. That's Anastasia. She's my 22-year-old daughter. My wife, Phyllis, and I think we did a pretty decent job of raising her. She goes around and calls us Rents. But you know what? I'm all right with that because one day she's going to be raising us and just wait and see what I'm going to be calling her. My name is Zach Demopoulos. I'm your host and welcome to the Raising Rents podcast. Welcome to the Raising Rents podcast. This show is sponsored by Comfort Care, a national home care provider that will help you live your best life possible. Day 11 of the 30-day preparation plan is the next step in preparing a plan to become a caregiver. Keep in mind, as we go through this process, that our primary goal for family caregiving, regardless of circumstances, is to provide a loved one with a comfortable, caring environment in which to grow old. Yale and Laurie Ottman are elder care attorneys that serve some of the same communities I serve. I've been fortunate to also work with them and learn quite a bit about long-term care planning. A misconception many of us hold is that if our parents have a will in place, even a living will, that is all they need when it comes to utilizing lawyers. But estate planning, though extremely important, really only answers the question, what happens when I die? As Yale Ottman clearly differentiates in a blog article he wrote, The bigger and more difficult question is, what happens if I live? What happens if I live but I'm not healthy and have increased health care costs and need to rely on others for assistance, either temporarily or on a permanent basis? Mr. Ottman makes the point that the estate plan does not address this need. An estate plan can help you answer the first question, But only a long-term care plan can help you answer the first and second question. And an elder care attorney is an excellent resource to help you with a long-term care plan. Not many people are familiar with what an elder care attorney does. You will find if you do a search in your area or your parents' area where they live, there are quite a few who practice elder law, and many of them have good articles, blogs, and resources on their websites. You should check them out. I know this is an uncomfortable conversation to have with your parents. I mean, it's not easy to ask them, have they planned on what happens when they die? And perhaps not as difficult of a question, but still uncomfortable. Have you asked them, how have they planned to live when they face some of the challenges that aging brings them? I did a little research and I looked at a website called elderlawanswers.com to get some more information about estate planning and long-term care planning. Simply stated, estate planning allows you, while you are still living, to ensure that your property will go to the people you want, in the way you want it, and when you want it. It permits you to save as much as possible on taxes, court costs, 
and attorney fees. And it affords the comfort that your loved ones can mourn your loss without being simultaneously burdened with unnecessary red tape and financial confusion. If you think about this, it's actually a good thing that a parent would want for their children. So that is actually a good way to approach this. And having a third party assist you like a lawyer will make it even that much more smoother. The article on the website continues to tell us that estate planning should include at minimum two important estate planning instruments, a durable power of attorney and a will. The first is for managing your property during your life in case you ever are unable to do it yourself. The second is for the management and distribution of your property after death. In addition, more and more Americans are also using the revocable or living trusts to avoid probate and to manage their estates during their lives and after they're gone. Now, I ask that you speak to experts about these things, but I will give you a very high overview. Again, I'm referencing to the Elder Law Answers website that I'm pulling some of this information from. There are two types of trusts, testamentary and inter vivos. A testamentary trust is one created by your will and it kicks in when you die. An inter vivo trust starts during your lifetime from the point you create it and it exists during your life. There are two kinds of inter vivo trusts, revocable and irrevocable. I'm sure you've heard these terms before. A revocable trust or commonly called a living trust changes and can be terminated anytime prior to your death. You'll find revocable trusts generally are used for things like asset management, probate avoidance, and tax planning. Irrevocable trusts cannot be changed or amended. Any property placed into the trust may only be distributed by the trustee and provided for in the trust document itself. This type of irrevocable trust is a very popular tool for Medicaid planning. And we're going to talk about Medicaid planning in just a minute. So there are five important components you need to make sure your parents and even you have in a good estate plan. One is the will. Most of us are familiar with what a will is, and most of our parents have wills. I'm 55 years old. I have one. I mean, something could, God forbid, happen to me or my wife or both of us, and we need to make sure that our wishes are clearly documented and represented. So make sure that your parents do have a will, and that is updated. The most important thing to know is that if you do not have a will, the state that you live in will determine how your property is distributed, and that's not an ideal situation. A will also appoints a legal representative to carry out your wishes. However, a will covers only probate property. Many types of property or forms of ownership pass outside of probate. And again, that's where I ask you to refer to the experts to learn more about that. A second component is a trust, and we've already discussed trusts. A third component is a power of attorney. This is a person you appoint to act in your place for financial purposes, when and if you ever become incapacitated. In that case, the person you choose will be able to step in and take care of your financial affairs. Without one of these uh, durable power of attorneys, no one can represent you, unless, of course, a court appoints a conservator or a guardian, 
And that is also not an ideal situation if your intent was to have somebody make decisions for you that you knew or trusted. There is another person you need to make sure your parents have appointed, and that is a healthcare proxy or a durable power of attorney on the health end. This would be someone to make healthcare decisions if you were, were unable to do it yourself. This would be covered under the fourth component, medical directives. Older wills that your parents created probably do not have these parts of this component. Medical directives also can include a living will and medical instructions. I've had clients confuse their living will as the one and only instrument they need, but that is not true. A living will instructs a healthcare provider to withdraw life support if one is terminal ill or in a vegetative state, but not if you're in a less serious state of health. That is where your healthcare proxy or medical durable power of attorney comes in handy. The fifth component is a beneficiary designation. The only way to control where the money goes is to name a beneficiary. By the way, when it comes to assigning someone to represent you, as in the financial and or health durable power of attorney, they can either be in effect upon execution of the document, understanding that their powers cannot be used until the person they represent is incapacitated, or their powers can spring into effect when one becomes incapacitated. Either way, it is important to establish what determines incapacity and the timing of it. This is a very important process to have in place, especially when you're caring for someone who is starting to show early signs of dementia. One of the issues I see today when it comes to long-term care for an aging adult and an issue I see not going away anytime soon is how to plan for the future if and when you spend all of your assets for long-term care. Medicaid planning is an important part of what an adult care attorney can provide for you. They can explain how the rules work regarding Medicare eligibility, they can share with you the planning options available for your parents, the process of being admitted to a facility, and applying for benefits. They can also help create the best strategy and how to implement it. There are things like the five-year look-back rule whenever you're applying for Medicaid. Elder care attorneys are very good at assisting with this confusing part to the Medicaid eligibility. And it is best to plan for this way in advance. There are exceptions to the rule and only elder care attorneys, in my opinion, are the best resources to help you with this. The five-year look-back rule in simple terms is a stipulation that is in place for an elderly person to be eligible for nursing home care, assisted living, or in-home care from Medicaid. As you know, anyone seeking Medicaid assistance must have limited income and assets. To prevent someone from simply just giving away all their money so they can qualify for Medicaid, the federal government implemented the look-back period. The look-back is a set period of time, like five years, prior to the individual's application, during which the Medicaid administrative agency can review all financial transactions that the candidate has made. If a transaction is found in violation of the look-back period, the applicant will be assessed a penalty. Penalties come in the form of a period of time that the applicant is made ineligible for Medicaid, meaning they will not be able to receive care services paid by Medicaid for a certain number of months. Let me give you an example. Let's say the state that you 
or your parent resides in has an average monthly cost for a nursing home of $4,000 and your parent gifted $60,000 during the five-year look-back period. So this means that the, your parent will be ineligible for Medicaid for at least 15 months before it kicks in. How do we come up with 15 months? $60,000, which was gifted over the last five years, divided by the average of $4,000 for nursing home cost equals 15 months. So transfers should be made very carefully and with the understanding that there are consequences for them. People who make transfers must be careful not to apply for Medicaid before the five-year look-back period elapses without first consulting with an elder care law attorney. This is because the penalty could ultimately extend even longer than five years depending on the size of the transfer. As a rule, never transfer assets for Medicaid planning unless you keep enough funds in your name to pay for any care needs you may have during the resulting period of ineligibility for Medicaid. And two, never transfer assets for Medicaid planning unless you feel comfortable and have sufficient resources to maintain your present lifestyle. So that's day 11. Join us for day 12 as we talk about staying active to stay healthy. Thank you for listening to the Raising Rents podcast. This was episode 20. If you have any questions or feedback, please go to our website, www.raisingrents.com and click on the contact tab. You can also find the show notes and references to anything we talked about. Until we talk again, remember, our parents raised us. The least we can do is help raise them. Talk to you later.